I hope you guys are as thankful for the Holy Spirit as I am, especially after hearing this series. I hope I've taken away some of the mystery for you guys. And of course, like my uh, computer wants to run some updates right now, like it thinks this is a good time for it. No, it's not a good time. All right. Well, like I said, welcome to part three of our series about the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to start by looking at our theme verse. We've looked at this every week, and it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What's interesting about this is this scripture right here happened 20 years, more than 20 years after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early church, and they didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and some people still have the same question. They either don't know who the Holy Spirit is, or they don't want to know about the Holy Spirit because of the way some people have represented it. And that's exactly why we're doing this series, because we need clarity on the Holy Spirit, on who He is, and what He wants to do in our lives. In week one, we examined what the word Holy Spirit actually means. And if you dive into the original languages in the Bible, what do we find out? It means a strong breeze or a blast of breath, right? And we can figure out why they called him the Holy Spirit instead of holy breath or holy breeze, because that would probably sound even more weird, right? So to get an idea of the Holy Spirit, we actually took a look at the characteristics of wind in that first week. And just like wind is unseen, the Holy Spirit's unseen. And we're not weirded out, weirded out by the fact that we can't see wind, so we shouldn't be weirded out by the Holy Spirit either. Wind is also unpredictable, as we found out this last week. And so is the Holy Spirit. So don't put God in a box and think that he only does things one way, because he does things his way, which is the best way. And our job is to simply trust him. Now, wind is also powerful, which we also saw this past week, just like the Holy Spirit is powerful. And to show you what I mean, let's take a look at this scripture in Acts, which we've also looked at every week. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So this is the essence of the Holy Spirit right here. He came to give us power so that we could do what? Be witnesses. Go about and share Jesus with power. In other words, the Holy Spirit gives you power to make a difference. If you remember last week, we talked about the word Pentecost. And that word scares a lot of people because that's where the Pentecostal church gets its name. And things can be a little wild in the Pentecostal church. There are brothers and sisters, though. Remember, we don't compare ourselves to other churches. They're great people. But we found out that the word Pentecost actually simply means 50. Because the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church 50 days after Jesus was resurrected. Pretty cool, huh? Here's the deal. So the day of Pentecost, and we're talking about when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, is not so that we can have wild church services. It's not so that we can have goosebumps or like falling over or if you've been to Ramah before, running around. That's a big place. You can have quite the run there, right? Not saying that any of that stuff is bad, but that's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of Pentecost, though, is to give you the power you need to live your life in a way that makes a difference in the lives of those around you. We're talking about power to lead people to Jesus and save them from an eternity in hell. Like, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And for us to have this kind of life, the power of the Holy Spirit actually enables us to do three things. And the first one was, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. You see, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He begins to do a transforming work on the inside of us. So I'm no longer obeying a set of Ten Commandments. No, the set of the Ten Commandments have become part of who I am. It's coming from the inside out. And it's not that I have to do it. I want to do it. And I want you to have this too, because it's so much easier and so much more fun to live your life this way than to try to live your life uh, fighting the power of your flesh and sinful nature with your own power. 
Like, it just doesn't work very well, which you may have figured out already. All right, number two is the Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. When you read about the life of Jesus, people were running to him because of the supernatural life that he was living, right? They weren't running away from him because he was a crazy, charismatic, or super spiritual person. And here's how the Bible explains it. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Notice he wasn't anointed to draw attention to himself by being crazy or a super spiritual person. No, he was anointed to live his life to help people in amazing ways, in supernatural ways. And it's the same for us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live supernaturally so that we can help people. So cool. All right, here's the third one. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission. You see, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, he empowers you to do everything that God planned for you before you were even born. He says, go over here, go over there, talk to this person, talk to that person, and he'll give you the boldness you need and the words to say to lead people to Jesus. And he'll give you the power that you need to go around and heal the sick. And you don't have to worry about if you're doing enough. All you have to do is let the Holy Spirit come upon you, give you power, and start listening to his step-by-step direction. So now you know that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to make you act like a crazy person. The purpose of the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit is really a gift to us. And now that you know that the Holy Spirit's a gift, this week I actually want to unpack what we call the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or spiritual gifts. But before I would do that, I just want to go through real quick the three gifts that God's given us, because he's given us three. And the first one is eternal life. This is a gift God gives every single one of us, and it stands all on its own. Like we said last week, like salvation has nothing to do with you. Isn't that good? You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to take it away. Jesus paid the price for eternal life, and it's a gift. The only part you, the only part you play in this is to receive the gift by believing in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. Let me show you what I mean. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Pretty much sums it up. So in other words, to receive eternal life, you don't have to pray a certain amount of time. You don't have to join this church. And you don't even have to keep coming to church. Although I'd like you to. Salvation is a free gift, and it stands on its own. You can't earn it, and your bad behavior can't scare it away. God gave you this as a gift, and the only part you play in this is to receive the gift. And here's one more scripture to drive this truth home, and it's in Ephesians 2.8. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this because it's a gift from God. You know what? The reason I've spent so much truth on this or so much time on this the past few weeks is because the next gift that God gives us does require us to do something. The whole purpose of this second gift is for us to do something. And I don't want you to get the two confused. Salvation has nothing to do with what you do. Okay? And then a second gift's given to us because God has something for us to do, which is why he gives us the Holy Spirit. Again, you can't earn the Holy Spirit, though. He's a gift, just like salvation is a gift. But the purpose of the gift is for you to do something, the Holy Spirit. Let me show you what I mean. Acts 1, 4 through 5 says, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's actually what we're going to talk about next week, how to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And don't forget, we just spent two weeks establishing that the Holy Spirit's not crazy. He's not spooky. So don't think that we're going to have that kind of service next week. Although you never know what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He is unpredictable. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to do it on purpose. That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He is the power that you need to live the life that God planned for you long ago. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. 
And we need the Holy Spirit in our lives if we're going to pursue, if we're going to like fulfill our mission here of pursuing limitless life in Jesus. But today I want to talk about the third set of gifts that God gives us, and that's spiritual gifts. You'll often hear these referred to as gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that's for a good reason, because you don't experience these gifts in your life until you've received the power of the Holy Spirit. And just like the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of confusion around spiritual gifts. And it's not new to our generation either, because take a look at what Paul said to the early church. He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, these guys were uninformed about spiritual gifts, and Paul's like, all right, y'all, I'm about to clear this up for you. Because when you're uninformed, you become confused anytime it's brought up. This is exactly what happens a lot of times regarding spiritual gifts. People are uninformed, and so when spiritual gifts get mentioned, they get uncomfortable and confused. And then people start saying things like, yeah, you know, spiritual gifts existed back, you know, with Jesus' disciples and with the apostles, but when the last apostle died, no more spiritual gifts after that. Then they say the same thing about healing, like it's not available today because it kind of went away with the people back then. But if one miracle has happened between the time the last apostle died and now, then it proves that that's not true. And I bet that there's been a miracle in your life that's happened or that you've seen in somebody else's life that's happened. And so there's no telling how many miracles have happened since the last apostle died until now. So here's the deal. They're still going on today. Spiritual gifts are still going on today. Healing's still going on today. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is still healing bodies today. And he continues to deliver people who are oppressed to the devil, and he's still going around doing good. And how's he doing it? Through us. This is exactly why we have spiritual gifts. And to be honest, most people don't have a problem with spiritual gifts. They have a problem with one, speaking in tongues. They can handle the gift of faith or like the gift of serving or the gift of mercy. Actually, there's about 27 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. Pretty cool. So there's a lot of spiritual gifts, but there's one problem, child, right? People are told not to have anything to do with speaking in tongues. But listen to me, you never have to avoid anything that God's given you because every gift from God is a good gift. So if God has a gift for you, it's good. But at the same time, we can't just focus on one gift because we'll get ourselves into just as much trouble as rejecting the gift, right? So sincerely, allow me to apologize for all the Christians who have made you feel like a second-class Christian because you don't speak in tongues, because it's simply not true. The truth is, speaking in tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit, but there's 26 others that are listed in the Bible. So you can have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and never speak in tongues. Like we've made it sound like if you don't speak in tongues, you don't got the power, but that's just not true. But, but let me also encourage you not to run from this gift but to pursue it because God wants you to have everything that he's given you because it's all good. There's nothing bad about it. Now, let me show you why we need the spiritual gifts working in our lives. That's because 1 Corinthians tells us that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what? Help each other. So like I said, the, the purpose of spiritual gifts is not so you can be wild in church. No, every spiritual gift has an assignment and it's to help somebody else. That's why there's an all out war against spiritual gifts. Because the last thing the devil wants is for you to have the power you need to go out and help somebody. Because you may just pull them away from his kingdom and into the kingdom of God, right? This is also why people get hung up on on the idea that the only ones who can operate in spiritual gifts are those in church leadership. These things are for like Kate or or for Beth or for Chris or for Pastor Mark, but not for me. I, I just come to church. And if the enemy can get you to believe this, he can actually keep you from discovering your spiritual gift. Because of this, we actually talk about this very misconception in every single one of our leadership meetings here at No Limits. We remind ourselves that 
Leadership, leading this church is not about our spiritual gifts. No, our job as leaders is to help you discover and operate in your spiritual gifts. So instead of trying to be like a super leader and trying to do everything on our own, we don't do that. We're always looking for ways to empower you to serve in the way that God has gifted you to serve. God has gifted me to lead this church, and the outcome of this going well has nothing to do with me. Hate to break it to you. Has everything to do with the spiritual gift that's working on the inside of me. And everyone in this room has spiritual gifts, and God's placed in a specific assignment on your life, and it's crucial that you operate in it, whether it's in kids' ministry and leadership and hospitality. Whatever it is, there's no gift that's greater than the other. They're, they're just different, and it takes all of us operating in our spiritual gifts for this church to reach its potential. We need every single person here. Like, you are essential to this church. Don't ever think that you're not. We actually have a core value that drives us home. The comparison trap stops with me. Because there's no use in us wasting time thinking that my gift's better than yours, or your gift is better than mine, or our church is better than the church down the street, or I wish we were more like that church. Comparison's a tool used by the enemy to keep us from discovering and thriving in the spiritual gifts that belong to us. So put a stop to the comparison trap and be confident in who God has called you to be. Because here's the deal. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in this world. So how do we do this? Really glad you all asked that question. Let's go through three things that you can do regarding spiritual gift. And the first, an obvious one is you got to discover what that is, right? And chances are your spiritual gift is not going to be that obvious to you. So if you're like, I don't know what my gift is, it's okay. Just relax. Because spiritual gifts are not your natural talent, and we're not even talking about your skill set. If I were to, like, follow my natural gifts, I wouldn't be leading this church today. Because the truth is, like, speaking is not one of my natural abilities. Honestly, I probably say more words on Sunday than I do the rest of the week. Because I'm just, I'm just a pretty quiet person. Beth's back there nodding her head. She's like, it's true. I wish you would talk to me this much. <laughs> and over the last 11 years of being part of this church... My, my dad, Pastor Mark up here, who started the church and led it for the first 11 years, would ask me to speak here and there. And like preparing a message was the most stressful thing that I would ever do. I hated it. Like, God, why does he ask me to do that? It sucks. But a year ago, God made it obvious that it was time for me to step into the leadership role at this church. And get this, like I, I enjoy preparing these messages and delivering them on Sunday. And it's because I have the spiritual gift to do it now. I didn't have it before, but I have it now. So how are you supposed to find your spiritual gifts? Well, Romans 12, 6 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So we all have different gifts, and we can see here that they're given to us by the grace of God. So we know we're operating in these gifts when it's like something that comes easy to you, and you're just not quite sure why. You're like, I'm not sure why this comes easy. Like, I'm a young guy up here, and... The Lord only knows why he called me to lead a church. I don't know. Yet leading, leading the church, like speaking on Sundays and solving all the problems that come up as a part of leading a church and running an event center and all that stuff, doesn't bother me. Just press it forward. It's not a big deal. There's really no other explanation than this other than the grace of God on my life to lead this church. And yet, then there's people like John and Shalina who just can't wait to get back to Mexico. And, like, they'll even drive down to the border over one of their weekends and deliver a drum set to those people down there because they're that passionate about it. And you know what? If I were to try to do what John and Shalina were doing, I wouldn't make it. 
I would have never made that drive. But because the grace of God is on you guys to do that. That's why you're doing it. And and that's why you love it. So you see, we all have different gifts. And we discover these gifts by tuning into those things that come easy to us. And you're just not quite sure why. You're like, hmm, that's strange. So let me give you a little side note. Sometimes when we're operating in our spiritual gift, we think that everybody else should have the same gift. So if you're like on missions, you think that everybody should go to Mexico as much as you do. If you're in kids' ministry, you think that everybody else should serve as much as you do. If you're a pastor, you think that everybody should come to church as often as you do. <laughs> y'all, get, y'all get what I'm saying, and I want you to watch out for this. Because you just need to let the other person be the other person. You don't have to find their spiritual gift for them. Just let them have their own walk with God and trust that God can handle it. So here's how the Bible explains it in Psalms 139. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So God didn't just create your body. He created your inmost being. Like he created your your desires and your passions and all that stuff God put on the inside of you. So for those of you with the gift of helps, you walked into church this morning and you noticed that maybe the chairs were a little crooked or, or there was some trash on the floor and you picked it up. But those with the gift of mercy... You couldn't care less about the darn chairs. What you saw is somebody over here like sitting by themselves before church started. And you know what? Both of these things are important. And God put those desires and passions in you for a reason. And it takes all of us working together to make everything happen. Not one's better than the other. All right, let's keep reading in the scripture. It says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, what's funny is in general, men don't really have a problem with this verse. Because we're the ones that can like stand in front of the mirror. It doesn't matter how ugly we are. We think we look good. (laughs) It's actually funny. Beth used to spend a lot of time telling me how good I looked until she realized that I already knew it. (laughs) And it's not because she told me all the time. It's just because that's how men are. (laughs) But what I want you to notice from this verse is this is King David writing it. And he's confident and who God made him to be. He wasn't wondering if his life mattered because he knew it mattered, because God created him, and everything God creates is wonderful. And many of you need to pick up this confidence right here because you go through life beating up on yourself because you feel like you don't measure up. But quit looking at what you can do and remind yourself of the simple fact that God created you, and everything he creates is wonderful, which means you're wonderful. And then you can get on with the next verse, which says that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Because God has a specific plan and purpose for your life. And if the enemy can get you caught up in yourself, then he can pull you right away from that plan. But if you stay focused on what God can do through your life, then you'll follow God's plan to a T. So once you discover the spiritual gifts that God's given you by paying attention to those things that come easy to you, yet you don't really understand why, Then you can move on to the next step, which is when you develop those gifts. Here's the interesting thing about spiritual gifts. They actually change and mature. See, when I was 15, God called me to lead worship. I couldn't sing that well. I could play the piano, however, because my mom made me take piano lessons. So I could play classical music, but I couldn't really play worship music. Nevertheless, God dropped a vision of me leading worship into my heart, and I ran with it. And over the course of leading worship for 15 years, my spiritual gift grew, and kind of as a side 
note, like I got really good at running live sound. And now I train thousands of church sound techs all over the world through my blog and online course, which is crazy because I'm not even like a natural teacher either. Like that's not a natural gift of mine. Actually, I really don't like it that much. Like one-on-one training, like showing somebody how to do something like that is not my thing. Beth can (laughs) relate to that because I've had to, she helps me with business stuff and I have to train her on some stuff. And she's like, I wish I had another trainer. But what's interesting about this in the blog is that people tell me all the time how thankful they are that I took something that was complicated and made it easy for them. So the most interesting thing about this journey is that about three years ago, my passion for leading worship started to fade. And I felt really guilty. It's like I knew that was a gift that God gave me. It's like, what's wrong with me? Like, how could it be fading away? And then last year, God dropped the vision of this church on my heart, and I knew it was time to lead this church. And through the years, there were actually people who told me, Cade, you're going to be the next pastor of this church. I'm like, y'all are just crazy because I'm like the worship leader. I'm not the pastor. I'm okay being the worship leader. I don't want to be the pastor. Well, here we are. And I tell you to tell you the story to illustrate the fact that spiritual gifts mature and they can even change over time. And that's why the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. In other words, don't just settle with the one gift that you've already discovered. No, be eager to discover all the spiritual gifts God has for you. And, and when you do, you got to let love be your guide. Because why do we have spiritual gifts? It's to help other people. Which is exactly why the Bible says this, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. So once you discover it, you better light it up and make it all that it can be. And at the same time, you should eagerly desire all of the spiritual gifts that God has for you. And the reason is, in order to live limitless life in Jesus and live your life in a way that's going to impact the world, you got to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Which leads us to my final point. you got to use those gifts. So once you receive the gift of eternal life by believing in Jesus, and then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this is your one assignment. Use the gifts that God give, has given you. You don't have to be someone else. You don't have to pastor a church. You don't have to start a new charity. No, your one assignment is to use the gifts God's given you. And here's a bonus tip. It's going to look different for all of us. So those of us who are called to street ministry shouldn't look down on the people who don't want to go. And those of us called to mission shouldn't look down on those who are called to the local community because it takes all of us, and every single believer has a unique set of spiritual gifts. You may have wondered about the core value we talked about earlier, and now it probably makes sense to you. Because the comparison trap stops with us means that comparison really is a trap. And you can probably see that now because if he can keep us comparing our spiritual gifts to each other and trying to figure out who's more important, then he can keep us from reaching the world for Jesus. And he does that all in a lot of churches. And it's a sad thing. But here at No Limits, we ain't going to do that. We're not going to compare ourselves because we're confident in who God's called us to be, not because we're better than somebody else, but because God has made us wonderfully who we are. And here's another scripture to drive all this home. 1 Peter 4.10, God's given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. In other words, we have spiritual gifts, not to figure out whose is better, but to serve one another. And you may remember a couple months ago when we talked about the spiritual journey that every single one of us goes on. And every person in this room is going to find themselves, some, find themselves somewhere in this journey. First step is you've got to know God. Then you find freedom. 
then you discover your purpose, and then you make a difference. And this message was all about step three, right? Where you discover your purpose by discovering the gifts that God's put inside of you. Because you're here on purpose, and you have a purpose. And I want you to discover that purpose. But you can't skip steps one and two. It all starts by believing in Jesus. And then like we talked about in the past two weeks, the Holy Spirit will actually help you with steps one and two. Like he'll help you know God by putting it on the inside of you. And he also helps you find freedom. And he'll help you understand the Bible whenever you read it, because that's a crucial part of knowing God. And he even gives you the help you need, like I said, to find freedom from those things that are holding you back, from being the best version of yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit for every single step in this spiritual journey. Let me remind you about this. Salvation and eternal life is a gift. You can't earn it, and it's not a reward for the good things that you've done. It's a legitimate gift from God, and all you got to do is receive it by believing in Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit, he's the second gift that God gives you. You're already saved and going to heaven, but God has something else he wants to give you while you're here on earth, the Holy Spirit. And when you receive this second gift, you receive all the power that you need to live the life that God planned for you to live long ago. The Holy Spirit helps you know God. He gives you the power that you need to find freedom. And he leads you into your spiritual gifts so that you can discover your purpose and ultimately make a difference in the lives of those around you. Next week, we're going to talk about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I imagine that some of you are going to go home this week and be filled all on your own. (laughs) <laughs> That's perfectly great. You don't have to do it here in church. But before we go today, I actually want to make sure everybody in this room has received the first gift. The gift of salvation and eternal life. So if you're ready to receive that gift, I'm actually about to ask you to stand to your feet. Just to let everybody know, let yourself know that you're receiving the gift. Here's the deal. No one's going to make fun of you in here. Like this is a safe place to receive the gift of salvation. We're actually really excited and eager for you to do it. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask those of you who want to receive salvation, receive that gift, to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Stand up if you want to receive that gift. I hope that all you guys have received the gift then. So let's all stand together. And I actually want you to grab the hand next to you. We're going to pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for all the gifts that you've given us. We thank you for the gift of salvation and eternal life. We rest in that gift, knowing that we didn't earn it. We can't take credit for it. You gave it to us freely. And we receive it by believing in Jesus. Jesus, what you did on the cross was exactly what needed to be done for me to have a relationship with you. And I thank you for eternal life. And I actually look forward to that. I ask that you always remind us that life is more than this life, that there's something coming next and the things that we do in this life do affect the things that are coming next. And Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our lives to go around and serve each other. We thank you that we have the power we need, the words to say, the confidence we need to go about and share Jesus with those who need it. 
We thank you for your supernatural direction that's leading us to the people that need to hear from you through us. Lord, use this church in a mighty way. Use our lives in a mighty way. We love you so much. And we're grateful for your Holy Spirit. We're thankful for the gift. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.